You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hello, friends, and welcome to this edition of the Coming In For Landing podcast on the Liberty Ballers Podcast Network. I am your host, Paul Hudrick, and I am joined by a very special guest, a former colleague of mine. Now he's doing great things as a senior writer at Sports Illustrated, and that is, of course, the great John Gonzalez. John, thank you so much for coming on, man. Thrilled to be here. Thank you for having me. You look wonderful, handsome, talented, rested, <laughs> all of these things. Yeah, rested, ooh, that, that's surprising because obviously, you know, yeah. baby in tow, it's a little surprising that I look rested. You're defying but all the odds, bud. It's, it Go must be it. a a dad glow thing. I don't know. Maybe that's what it is. That's but, exactly uh, what it is. And this is super exciting because obviously you were the first guest ever on the coming in for landing podcast. So I, which again, honored. Yeah. <laughs> so glad to be back. Yeah. So it's pretty cool that now Liberty Ballers, here we are uh, a place that you have, you know, some connections to a lot of the people that were um, the great people that came before me at Liberty Ballers, you have a connection to. So it's very what cool. a murderer's row of grads from Liberty Ballers. I mean, like, I, that roster has really produced some some killers. It's serious, like just lightning in a bottle times during the process. And it was just, it was good times. And we're trying to keep that going to keep those traditions, but also bring it up a little bit. And I there think so far, so good. I think uh, we have, still have some tremendous, tremendous people. And I'm very excited um, about that. And I'm going to bring up some of their stuff as we talk about some of these uh, topics today. You know, obviously we're going to talk about James Harden and you and I haven't spoken since the trade. So I'm very curious to know your reaction to everything. And then, of course, just what that means, how he fits, um, you know, what, what adjustments Doc Rivers has to make, some of the players have to make. Uh, and then, of course, Danny Green had some very interesting comments today about Ben Simmons. He sure uh, did. And that saga is just going to continue, I believe, through March 10th and, and beyond that. So uh, good times. But, yeah, let's start uh, with the obvious. You know, it's been almost two weeks now since James Harden has officially been a Philadelphia 76er. So for you, just your reaction, I guess to, your reaction to like the lead up too, because this all seemed to happen kind of quickly. Um, and, you know, it was going to be a sign of trade. Then there's whispers that it might happen at the trade deadline. Then there's no negotiations. Then there's a ton of negotiations. And now he's a sixer. So I just, for you, like the emotion of the lead up and then to the moment it actually happens. Surprising, right? I mean, because exactly what you said, two weeks out, Nobody was really talking about it as a possibility. We were kind of discussing it. There were some people who were kind of hinting at it. And then a week out is when it really started to ramp up. And I thought, well, you know, trading two guys of this caliber for each other with just like a, a week's worth of runway doesn't seem like you're going to be able to get that plane off the ground. So I was skeptical. I didn't think that it was going to happen. I talked to one of your former Liberty Ballers uh creators slash mount rushmore guys mike levin from the rights ricky and he always said like from the beginning he's like i think it's going to happen and i was like i don't know i think you're being a little pollyannish about this and then sure enough daryl morey gets it done so my reaction was huzzah because look ben simmons clearly did not want to be there and they weren't getting anything for him or from him and so to get 
somebody of James Harden's ability into a spot where you weren't getting, you were getting a zero from Ben Simmons. That's a huge, huge one. Yes, I know that you have to give up uh, Seth Curry and Andre Drummond in that move. So you do lose that production, but that's a swap you'll make every day. Right. And I, that's been what's weird to me is some, I, I don't know if it's just people like, to borrow a term, like both sizing it in the national media of like, oh man, I, I think the Nets really won this trade. And I'm like, I don't see how, I, I could see how this trade could help the Nets. And I could certainly see how Ben Simmons fits in, how Seth Curry and Andre Drummond make that team that isn't very deep, makes them a little bit deeper. So I, and you know, first round picks are never a bad thing to have in your bag for a team that just gave up a ton of first round picks to get James Harden. Um, so I get how it, there's benefits to the Nets, but like the people who are just like flat out saying, um, yes, the Nets won this trade, I think is kind of crazy. And then to kind of go a little bit longer down that line, like, and I'm the person who's defended Ben Simmons an awful lot and still thinks he is a hell of a basketball player that can offer a lot to a, to even a championship level team. I don't know where he is or what he is right now. Right. I mean, I think that's a fair way to look at it. That component of it is right. I think you don't know what to expect from him until you, he gets back on the court and we see what kind of shape he's in, what his game looks like, how he's feeling mentally. Uh, but to your earlier point about like sort of poo-pooing the net side of it, I disagree. This is one of those rare traits where I think everybody wins. I, I think it's disagree. an awesome thing for James Harden because James Harden didn't want to be there. And yes, he and Joel Embiid are both very high usage rate guys, and it's going to be interesting to see how they fit next to each other. And there's probably going to be some standing uh, and watching the other guy do their we'll thing. We'll get to that. I, I still think <laughs> it's going to be good. I don't want to rush it. I'm not hosting this podcast. I'm just a guest. Uh, but the <laughs> other side, for the Nets, same deal, right? Where all of a sudden, you James Harden doesn't want to be there. Ben Simmons didn't want to be in Philly, so he goes to the Nets. And I think if they get the Ben Simmons, I, I, I've said this multiple podcasts. I will now say it on yours. They get the Ben Simmons who does all the things that he does well, running the break, rebounding, passing, switching one through five on defense. He could be their version of Draymond Green. And if he's willing to play the Draymond Green role next to Kyrie and KD, he's going to be incredible. If on the other hand, he wants to be, I'm the point guard, Ben Simmons. I need the ball in my hands all the time, less incredible. But I think there's a world where he's so happy to get out of Philly and pair with these guys and really put the team together that you could see a really good version of Ben Simmons. So I like it both ways. No, I think that's a fair way to look at it. Like I, I think both team and even Adam Silver said that when he was asked about tampering, he's like, well, I think both teams and everybody seems pretty happy with how it ended. So like, what's the big, like, deal? What, what are we going to argue here? Like, what are we even going to investigate? Everyone seems happy. Um, our, our good friend, coach Jim Lynham, always compared Ben Simmons. And now I think he's got a really good opportunity to fill that to Scottie Pippen. Um, and I, I, I could kind of see that. I mean, clearly Scottie Pippen could hit a jump shot. So like, let's get that out yeah. of the way. But I think the other things of, you know, Scotty as, as a ball handler, Scotty as an elite defender, extremely versatile defender who, you know, played kind of second fiddle to Michael Jordan. I mean, so now Ben Simmons can kind of play third fiddle offensively to those two other guys you mentioned. And I do think, a great fit next to Kyrie Irving. I mean, right. Kyrie is, is a point guard in name only. He's a two guard. That's just small. So now you have Ben Simmons, who is a jumbo size point guard. And I think that is an excellent fit. And then Durant, I mean, I mean, if you can't play with Kevin Durant, you kind of can't play with anyone. Um, but I could just certainly see a role with him, you know, screening and rolling, hitting guys in the corners off those short rolls um, guys like Seth Curry, who apparently 
doesn't get along with, but we'll get, we'll get into that in a moment. Right. Uh, um, but first, uh, you, you kind of already touched on it, but you know, they're certainly Joel and B the most dominant post player in the NBA, most dominant big man, you know, you could argue Jokic, whatever, but it's right now. I don't know if anyone's going better than Joel Embiid at any position, really. Um, and then you look at James Harden, who is historically one of the greatest perimeter players we've ever seen. Um, so when you look at it like that, great. Looks like a, a match made in heaven, perfect on paper. But I think to what your other point is, high usage rate. And then also when you look at the players that they have played with and where they've had their most success, James Harden clearly does better with lot, you know, rim running lob threat centers, kind yeah. of like a Willie Colley Stein, who is now with the Sixers on a 10 day deal. Um, and then Embiid has does historically done better when it's kind of that four out, uh, when it's just surrounded by catch and shoot guys and James Harden never been a catch and shoot guy. Joel Embiid never really been a, a big roller. Um, he's done more of it this year than he's ever has. Um, from what I, what I can remember, I don't have any numbers to back that up, but you know, clearly with Maxi in the fold, he's, he's been a little bit more willing to do that. And it's gotten some easier looks. So I guess from your perspective, just what do you see? Like, do you, do you think both guys just kind of say like, Hey, like we have a really good chance to win a championship. So Joel says, all right, James, you want me to roll more? I'm going to roll more. Um, Joel says, Hey, I kind of need you sometimes to just stand and either hit an open three catch and shoot or cut to the basket. Like, do do you think one or the other needs to adjust more? Do you think both of them just kind of meet each other in the middle? Like, how do you see that playing out? Yeah, it's going to be interesting, right? Because of all the reasons that you just outlined where, you know, James Harden is really great with a role man and Joel Embiid in his career hasn't always been that guy. I mean, he, he much prefers to pop out into space, right? He's a pick and pop guy more than a pick and roll guy, but it's not, which doesn't mean he can't do it. Yeah. I think that he would be fantastic at doing it. We just have to see if they're actually going to do it that way. The other thing that I think is interesting and something to watch is look, ultimately there's going to be some time where they're going to have to feel each other out. Probably you're going to see some moments when uh, Joel Embiid is doing his thing and James Harden is just sort of standing around and then the opposite will be true when James Harden is doing his thing and Joel is just kind of standing around. But the part that I want to watch is how Doc Rivers deploys them in the game. Because as we all know, Doc is often reluctant to stagger guys, right? His, his rotations. You're like, it's like, did you, did I, I don't think I sent you a, a copy of the role of the, of the, of what we were going to talk about today. But, and yeah, I don't think I sent you a rundown, but anyway, continue. Um, so I'm ruining, I'm, I'm just ruining your rundown, but it's okay. I just keep thinking about, you know, it, this is going to be on Cause you're going to, obviously you're going to start them together and obviously they're going to finish games together, but in between is what I want to, there should never be a moment in those second and third quarters when one of them isn't on the court. You say right? that. I mean, it just but. seems obvious, doesn't it? That they should stagger these minutes because again, you just mentioned all the reasons why, um, Maybe staggering them makes sense because, you know, James Harden and Joel Embiid are so usage, usage heavy and there's such nightmare or there's such matchup nightmares in their own respect. Right. So it would just seem to me this would be the obvious move that in the middle of the game, you're staggering one and resting the other. And then, you know, you're bookending them together at the beginning and the end of the game. But yeah. We'll and say. I don't, I don't want to look too far into a 10 day signing, but I feel a little bit like signing a guy like Willie Cauley Stein, who just seems like the prototype guy that James Harden has had in the past that he has done really well with as, as that pick and roll guy. Um, it almost seems to hint that that staggering might happen, right? Like, because 
when Joe sits down and Cauley Stein comes in, that's when James Harden can cook and have that rim, you know, that rim running big. I, again, might be reading too far into a 10 day deal, but it just seemed to be that. And maybe that's me being an Uber optimist because as we know, Doc Rivers with the staggering, with the rotational thing, not always great. Um, I think everyone here was just begging him to stagger Maxi and Embiid while Maxi was going so well. Um, and while him and Maxi, you know, Embiid and Maxi were kind of still figuring things out together, maybe staggering that so Maxi can kind of cook with the bench. He didn't really see that happen. So <laughs> let's hope that that's kind of the case here. Um, now that Maxi and Embiid seem to actually be playing better together and kind of figuring each other out, let them play together. Maybe let Tobias and, and Harden play together a little bit. We'll see. Um, but it doesn't hurt to have uh, two guys who you can stagger like that, who basically it's cool and bead and whoever the four are and then Harden and whoever the four are. And I think I, you know, you like your chances uh, with that. Um, speaking of Maxi, mm-hmm. how do you kind of see those two? Because it's, you know, Maxi's really developed as a point guard. That's not his natural thing. His natural thing was a scoring guard. That's what he did more of at Kentucky. And he had to play with other point guards. Um, and he kind of adjusted his game, you know, Ashton Haggins and Emmanuel quickly. And he was more off the ball um, this year with Ben out. He's really grown as a point guard. You see some of the passes he makes, some of the reads he makes, and it's just a lot of growth in that area. But um, you know, it, it seems pretty clear that doc's intention is James Harden is our point guard. That's how we're going to play it. So I guess, how do you see those two fitting together? Or do you think it's kind of natural because of like what I just, you know, talked about with Maxi already kind of that being a strength of his playing off the ball. Yeah. I mean, I almost brought this up and cut you off, but I'm learning <laughs> as we go right? because I was like, Oh, you know, it's going to, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with Maxi, but I waited. Uh, so I that. look at me, that's called growth. Um, I would say that probably, you know, Maxi's minutes are probably going to take a hit. Right. And, and that's a, a bummer for Maxi, but a plus for the team because you're gaining James Harden. And then now all of a sudden that backup point guard duty that was, um, sort of void when Tyrese Maxey was the main guy. Now you've got an awesome backup point guard and a, and a guy who has really taken a huge step forward this season. So depth-wise, it's just such a win for the team. For Maxey, you know, I think that he's the kind of kid. I don't know him. I haven't, I haven't met him or talked to him. I just have watched from afar and admired him. And he just seems like the kind of kid who's going to handle this really well, right? Because yes. like, I don't, like he the way that he handles himself, the way he comports himself in media interviews and around his teammates and like Joe needling him and teasing him and like constructive criticism, he seems to absorb all that really well. And then plus to be able to play with and learn from James Harden at, a, at that point in his development, that to me seems like something he'd be eager to do. So I think this is going to be good for him and the team. But yeah, we're probably going to see his minutes scale back a little bit. Not to go too far into this but like when you see ben simmons and you see tyrese maxi and they are kind of the antithesis of each other because you're 100 correct like maxi is so amenable and he takes like doc has coached him he's admitted he coaches him hard um he did it last year as a rookie he's doing it again this year as you know as he developed into a point guard you mentioned joel and b kind of just ribbing him a little bit in the media sessions but you know, um, yeah, I mean, he takes coaching extraordinarily well. He takes it with a smile on his face. He wants to be great. He wants to get better. And I agree. I, I think, and you already saw it like that. It was wild to watch that Bucks game. The Sixers are, I think, were down 12 at that point in the second quarter. Doc calls a timeout. Harden gets in Maxie's ear. Maxie rips off like 10 straight points. And you're like, 
okay, yeah. what the hell was that conversation? Because something went off. So it's just, um, I do agree with you that learning from a guy like Harden is just going to be, it's going to help Maxi infinitely. Um, speaking to Ben Simmons, we're going to touch more on him after the break. And also, John, I want to get your take on the starting five and how you kind of see that playing forward. Uh, but we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back uh, with more with John Gonzalez right after this. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right. And we are back. And John, before we get into the Ben Simmons stuff, I want to talk to you a little bit about the starting five. We had uh, our Jackson Frank, who does an awesome job for us at Liberty Ballers. He wrote a piece today discussing the idea of how the Sixers should deploy it. Should they go all offense, kind of like what you saw against the Bucks, where he started George Niang and just said, you know, screw it. We'll have Tobias Harris guard a three and just go all in on offense. Um, do, you, do you maybe need to be more wary of some perimeter threats and start Matisse Thibel, despite, you know, his really – big time offensive deficiencies or do you kind of go Danny Green who you know is a little bit older more tread on the tires has had a lot of injury struggles over the last year and a half year um, to kind of maybe get a little mix of both as a spot-up shooter and an, a, a decent defender though again as we discussed a little bit you know a, a long in the tooth so when you look at the starting five um, who do you think is the best ma- best kind of fit or, or do you think that maybe Doc should experiment a little bit and maybe rotate those three guys out and give it all a look. I'd like some experimentation until you end up landing on something that's really clicking. Cause there's two guys you're starting and then the other three are questions, right? I mean, I think in theory, you'd want to start Tobias because of the caliber, caliber of player he is. However, you know, getting some juice from him off the bench where like you need some offensive punch. I know it hasn't been the greatest season for Tobias and probably he would tell you so that it, like it hasn't gone the way that he wanted or hoped but he's still a really good player offensively. Uh, I'd like to see him get to the rim more. You, you, you don't agree. You no, agree I do. I'm sorry. I, okay. it was a little cough. I apologize. <laughs> no, I, I, I wasn't sure that if you're like, nah, I'm in the get rid of him camp. And I, and I get that the contract situation with him makes it more complicated, but I just think he's better than we've seen from him this season. And he's been better lately one, too. Over the last, yeah. like, I think since like 
January 1st, I think he, his number, he's like 50, 40, 90 almost since January yeah. 1st. So and he's that's been much the better. kind of guy, right. That's the kind of guy he could be. So how they deploy that is interesting, right? Because I suspect when Joe and Harden are both out there at the same time, you know, not a lot of looks for Tobias probably, um, you know, maybe some on those, on those, you know, driving kicks where Harden's looking for somebody on the perimeter and he's such an incredible passer that I, I think a lot of these guys like Korkmaz and Yang and um, Tobias are going to get some like really easy three looks, which will be good. Um, but yeah, those three in the middle there, you know, to start games, you know, experiment a little bit until you find something. No, and I agree with you on Tobias. I actually think in a weird way, this is going to really help Tobias because I think what he needs most is space um, mm-hmm. to like your point. He's really good at that mismatch. Like if he's got a bigger guy on him, kind of blowing by him. If he's got the little guy on him, taking him, you know, to the weight room and kind of hitting those mid range jumpers or getting some kind of little runner or something like that. I think the space that he's going to get with Harden and Embiid now getting so much attention, I think that could actually really help him. I think he could play really well. And I think pressure wise, right. Like he's the, now he's the third guy. I mean, and I don't think he, he doesn't have like an ego like that where I don't think he's worried about like, ah, now I'm, I'm, I'm pushed out. Like, I think he's good with being that. I mean, he was like the fourth guy here, right. When Jimmy Butler was here, that was kind of the hierarchy when, when, when things were, when he first arrived. So I don't think he will have any issue kind of taking that role. And I do think you're right. Like when they go to that bench unit and, you know, let's say it's Harden that he's playing with, like you could see that working out well. Now, the other thing to that is if you want Tobias playing more with the bench guys, it might make more sense to kind of start Niang and then go from there. It's I agree with you that I think it, it should be Doc's got to experiment. Um, to me, Danny Green's probably the best, but I just don't know, like health wise, he has just really struggled. Like I said, basically since the middle of last year, he had the hip issue, um, had the calf issue that took him out for the rest of the series last year. This year he's been up and down out of the lineup all year long. So yeah, I, I'm very curious to see what Doc does. But as we discussed, Doc, you know, is super creative and not rigid at all with his rotation. So I'm yeah, sure it'll, it'll go great. I'm sure that he'll uh, he'll mess around and you know just stumble into something. I'm sure. I'm sure it'll go swimmingly. Um, lastly, because we have to talk about it, and look, I don't want to wade too far into the waters of because I think you and I both have a, you know a great appreciation for you know mental health, and and we don't want to demean anyone or, or, or lessen, you know, what someone else was going through. So I don't want to get too far into that, but with the Ben Simmons stuff, um, now you're seeing it today, Danny Green goes on his podcast and says, um, Ben was not very cordial with Seth Curry and Andre Drummond, the two players he was traded to Brooklyn with not surprising with Drummond, considering he literally never played with Drummond. Um, a little surprising, I guess, with Seth Curry, um, when Seth talked during like training camp, when Ben wasn't there, I got a, like, I don't give a shit vibe from Seth Curry as far as like when he was asked about Ben, he just was kind of, well, he's not here. So I don't care. Like I'm just, I'm playing because he's not here. Um, that is what it is. Um, you know, and the fact that he's already saying he doesn't think Ben's going to show up on March 10th, which to me, I feel like the more that noise happens, the more likely it is that Ben will play just my two cents. Then you also get uh, video today, Kyle Corver working with Ben Simmons. I'm sure that'll just fix everything overnight. Um, I like, I don't even know what I'm asking here. I get, I guess just the, idea, like, you know, the Philly sports fan as well as any person around as well as any media person there is. I, I will say, I think it's fair for Philadelphia fans to not feel good about Ben Simmons. 
how it ended, how his tenure here went. Um, I think there's certainly uh, room for booze, um, you know, without crossing the line, right? I, I think there is there is a lot more nuance to this conversation than just, oh, well, you have to be nice to Ben Simmons because he went through some stuff as opposed to like looking at his entire career here and a lot of the things that went wrong and a lot of it that quite frankly was probably self-inflicted from Ben Simmons. I mean, look, the Ben Simmons conversation is complicated, right? And to the mental health component, I just talked about this on my podcast, Sports Illustrated Weekly, available wherever you get your podcast. Please listen, subscribe. I just was talking to Katie Nolan about this. And like Mike Golick Jr. had tweeted out something like, none of us know what's going on with Ben Simmons and none of us are equipped really to evaluate it. Not a hot take. People were all over his mentions. People were all over my mentions because I love Philadelphia and Philadelphia sports fans, but there was this conflation of, Hey, by saying like, let's not judge him on his mental health stuff that somehow it was an indictment of Philly sports fans. No, look, you want to criticize Ben Simmons for what happened on the court or what didn't happen on the court or him disappearing in the Atlanta series and not want passing up the dunk and not wanting to go to the line. That is all, all, all fair game. All I'm saying is maybe let's all fall back on the mental health stuff. Like, because we don't know. And all, all we know is that he, whatever happened, he had decided that he was willing to potentially forfeit $20 million, which is a point that Pablo Torre had made in order to not play in Philadelphia. That sounds to me like he didn't want to work for his employer anymore and he really wanted to get out. And I've worked at a lot of places and sometimes you just don't want to work there anymore. And like, I don't know that that makes him a bad guy. I don't know him personally. Uh, and, and I hope whatever's going on with him mentally resolves itself. And, and then like, he's, he's good to go mentally. And then beyond that, I wish him nothing but ill on the basketball. Court. <laughs> I, I, I want not a single point rebound assist anything for him when he plays the Sixers. I hope to God that he does play in the March 10 game because Paul, oh my God, what <laughs> will that be like? That will be can't miss television. Right. And that's, and like, that's what it is. Like with all the respect there there are plenty of things with Ben Simmons that you can criticize that are basketball related that you just don't have to go there. Right. Like you just don't have to, like, you don't need to, like if he misses a free throw and you want to, you want to just boom and, and, and cheer when he misses. Great. Like, that's wonderful. You should do that. That is what Philadelphia is all about. Um, but just don't cro- like, I just like, don't cross the line. I think that's like a very valid, fair thing. Um, yeah. I mean, it gets cut and dry like that easy. And the one thing I'll say that I didn't like, and, and there's really, none of us know, like you said, uh, the mental health thing, none of us know that. And none of us know how much was when you heard all this chatter during the off season about, you know, him maybe not getting along with Joel Embiid or blaming Joel Embiid for certain things or blaming Doc Rivers for certain things or whatever, how much of that was real, how much of that was from his camp, how much of that was just Rich Paul said, like him, Ben Simmons saying to Rich Paul, get me the hell out of Philadelphia. I don't care how you do it. And Rich Paul said, say less. And that's what came of it. Like, I don't know. Um, But to me, like, that's the thing that kind of, like, if I'm going to say like this whole saga, what has ruffled me, um, I didn't like that there was a lot of negative things said about Joel Embiid from Ben Simmons camp. And I just don't know. I I guess I just don't know where that comes from. And I, I, I get Joel Embiid said some less than flattering things that I'm not a babysitter quote. And I get all that. But I also think Joe was operating from a place of, he doesn't want to be here, so I don't want to talk about it, and we're all moving on. So, But I think the bottom line here is, 
as we already talked about at the top, everybody wins, right? Yeah, I mean, everybody wins. Like that's that's what I'm saying. Like, and and you mentioned, and this is important. Like people go, ah, you know, I wonder if we should check into the tampering, right? Like the Sixers might have tampered here. And Adam Silver went, I don't know. Everybody seems pretty cool with this. So maybe that's just what it is. Maybe it's look, whether he got along with with Seth Curry and Andre Drummond or Joel or whomever, he wanted to move on, and the Sixers decided hey, we can get James Harden and like, let's just all move forward on this. Now, that said, prior to this, I would wager that Sixers fans cared not at all about the Nets and Nets fans and that the Nets fans, all seven seven of them who might exist, hadn't really (laughs) thought much about the Sixers. Wow, what a fun Insta rivalry we have now. Because at some point, unless he sits out in perpetuity against the Sixers, he will play against them. And even if he doesn't play against them in the Wells Fargo Center, Brooklyn is not far, and Sixers fans are maniacs, and they will go there. And I want all of it. Like, give me all the smoke. Well, as someone pointed out to me, uh, he's not going to sit out playoff games. So if they play in the series, that's going to be ample. And that that will be a lot of fun. Yeah, and it's fun to bring back a rivalry because we don't really – it's not a thing, like, as much in the NBA, at least least not from, like, Sixers' perspective. Like, I really – there's no team that, like – gets that juice flow. maybe the Celtics sometimes but not really um so to have this built in now um I think is wonderful um speaking of wonderful John Gonzalez you're a wonderful man I appreciate you so much for hopping on the coming in for Atlantic podcast you can check out all of John's work of course uh the senior writer now at Sports Illustrated you can find him on Twitter uh what is it now is it at John Gonzalez is that still a thing it's John, at John Gonzalez it's my name and then uh a new episode of Sports Illustrated Weekly Every Wednesday, available wherever you get your podcasts, all kinds of stuff. Love it. Uh, John, thank you again. I appreciate it. And I appreciate all of you for checking out the Coming In for a Landing podcast. Uh, Please rate, subscribe, download wherever you get your podcast. I am your host, Paul Hudrick, and I will talk to you guys next time. Support for this show comes from Fundrise. Buy low, sell high. It's easy to say, hard to do. For example, high interest rates are crushing the real estate market right now. Demand is dropping and prices are falling, even for many of the best assets. It's no wonder the Fundrise flagship fund plans to go on a buying spree, expanding its billion-dollar real estate portfolio over the next few months. You can add the Fundrise flagship fund to your portfolio in just minutes and with as little as $10 by visiting Fundrise.com Fox. Carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the Fundrise flagship fund before investing. This and other information can be found in the fund's prospectus at Fundrise.com flagship. This is a paid advertisement. Support for this podcast came from SAS. Data is everything. And now everything is data which means more to process, more to analyze. And now more than ever, speed to answers matters. So how do you produce those answers as fast as the world produces data? With SAS VIA, the quickest way from a billion points of data to a point of view. It's a more productive data and AI platform that helps you get more done. Learn more today at sas.com VIYA.